Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Hey, bartender. Welcome back to Hey, Bartender Podcast. I am your bartender for the evening. My name is Anthony. Uh,. This week here at Hey Bartender Podcast, we've been taking quarantine uh, to record-breaking levels. Today on the show, I've got some uh, special guests, uh, members of the band Situation Chicago. From Chicago, Illinois, I have Trey Elder and Justice Hill. Hey, what's up, y'all? I was gone. Is that cool? Did I do that right? <laughs> yeah, well, technically it's not a band. The project is Situation Chicago. And we are both musicians and service industry, but there's not a yeah. the record's called Just Good Chicago, but it's a compilation yeah. of a bunch of different artists to raise money for music and Okay, so Situation Chicago is not your band name, it's just uh it's a uh, compilation. It's a compilation. Yes, name yeah. of our compilation. Okay. Like, I'm one of the Okay, so yeah, I can change that up a little bit later or leave it as is. People like it when I screw up. Uh <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, how uh, how you guys doing? Uh, how's life treating you out in Chicago? You know, we're plugging along. Things are weird as they are everywhere. No complaints. No complaints, bud. Nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Okay. Yeah? Uh, uh, well, pretty much it's gotten crazy everywhere, so uh, I'm sure everybody can relate to that. Now, yeah. <laughs> now like I told you before, I like to start off with the show. Uh, start off the show with a drink special. Now, uh, you guys have both spent time in the service industry, and uh, you have something special that you guys do uh, in the Chicago area for a drink special. Yeah, we do shots of uh, Jepson's Malort. Yeah, a lot of times. Come here, you ask for a drink, we give you a shot. Yeah, so, uh, Jepson's Malort. Yeah, Malort's a, a warm weather liqueur. It's made here in Chicago, and it's uh, definitely the the bartender's preference. Um, there's a lot of whiskey here too. But, here though, the Malort. but Malort, Malort's always been like an underground, if you know, you know, kind of thing. And then a few years ago, with the rise of cocktail culture, Malort kind of had a, a new, a new energy about it. People have cranked their friends with it, you know, because it has a very eclectic taste. <laughs> eclectic. It's, it's a little rough around the edges. <laughs> um, it's spicy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like that. it's intense. It's intense wormwood, so it's super bitter. Uh, it's not for everyone, but everyone. Like, if you come to Chicago, yeah. we're giving you a shot first off just to see if you're, if you can hang or not. There in Chicago. So, Malart is, uh, you said it's a liqueur, so, and it's, you like to use it pretty much to uh, initiate people, uh, people that are new to Chicago or maybe people on their 21 run. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Actually, when I turned 25, I went to a bar that uh, had shots on the wart for a dollar a piece. So I went early and sat on their patio all day, and I told my friends I wasn't drink- I wasn't leaving until I drank twenty five shots on the wart, <laughs> which I do not recommend to anyone. No, but uh, did, I, was, yeah. I did it over several hours. It was, a, but yeah, I did it. <laughs> I, just used to, I just used to do a thing where, like, if I met someone at like this my favorite bar, sportsman's bars, and. Uh, uh, they're like West Town, uh, in Village in Chicago. But uh, it looks a lot like whiskey. So, like, if I met someone new, I'd be like, let's go, sir. You know, I'm just like, let's go. And I just bring it to them. It's not bad. It's not so bad, but just the, the amount of people being like, don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> 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 all right. It all, well, all right. I love that. You, uh, you guys promoting uh, liquor that is native of your area. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, are you guys born and raised in, from Chicago? No, I'm uh, I'm from the Carolinas, and I was in um, Missouri for like high school and college, and I so I, but I've been in Chicago for uh, almost 25 years. 
Yeah. I've been here. I've lived here for about five years. I grew up about two hours away in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, after, after I went to music school out in Washington, I guess, this year, after I was a close family. I had a big city, big enough city, making music, and could find a job in the service industry. And stuff, and boom, there you go. Um, but I love it here. So as you're trying to make ends meet, you were finding just jobs in the service industry and uh, that helped make ends meet for the time being at least. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I knew, like, I, I, I was a server out in Boston and I grew up, uh, my grandmother owned a restaurant uh, when I was a kid, so I used to work there. Just, oh, anyway, I moved, I could always get a job, so I knew I just got a job at a karaoke bar mm. and started and Ironically, didn't meet a lot of musicians. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the music. Well, I've always known the uh, Chicago area being famous for like the blues scene and stuff like that. So the, it's really a popular music area. Um, one of the many popular music areas in America. You know, am I wrong there? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of great. Um, yeah. There's a little bit of everything. There's a lot of rock, a lot of hip hop here, a lot of jazz, big jazz in here, um, jazz and blues. Big house house music scene here. Oh yeah, house music Yeah, I only found out recently that Cheap Trick came from Illinois, so uh, that was uh, that was new for me. So, but, yeah, they're they're from Rockford, which but uh, they're honorary Chicago. They, they still play here. Like, really? Yeah. They also <laughs> play the bartender's ball. That was the first bartender's ball, which is just like a big. It's just a big party every year. Yeah. Uh, they get sponsored, and only only Chicago bartenders are invited to go. But uh, yeah. The first bartender's ball I went to years ago, Chief Trick was the headline. So, oh, awesome! Well, uh, only uh, Chicago bartenders are involved. Uh, you know, can't uh, a meager podcast <laughs> make their way in? I, if you're in town for the bartender's ball, I will. I will uh, take you with me. <laughs> this is all all set and done, man. You come up here, we'll take all of it. <laughs> So both uh, the, this question is pretty much for both of you. When did you first get your feet wet in the service industry? I'll go first. Uh, I was 16. And I started working at Arby's. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. In, every, in high school. Pay, yeah. I could have a car. Um, yeah, but I've worked off and on in service industry my whole life. Uh, I worked especially coffee for a long time. So I was working hand in hand, a lot of restaurants and bars and cafes and coffee shops and whatnot. But I've helped open a bunch of restaurants. Um, and I've pretty much done, yeah, every, every position or restaurant that are, there is to be had, I've, I've done. Um, and then I was, I managed some restaurants for the last 10 years, which also, I don't know what other GMs are like, but for me, that also meant if the, if the dishwasher goes down, I'm the dishwasher, you know, if the bartender needs help, I'm the bartender. Uh, so I can, yeah, kind of do every position. So I've been doing a long time. Turned, turned into kind of a gopher. No. You were kind yeah. of, a, yeah, <laughs> just go everywhere. <laughs> yeah, a good manager supports that. Not yeah. not standing around the clipboard going everywhere. Right. And, yeah. what, and what do you, about you, Justin? Um, for me, I, I started in the services kind of, I was like eight years old. My, my, I would like open up my grandma's hot dog stand on the beach in like Lake Michigan. Oh, awesome. And I would run out like an ice cream machine and I would, on my job, I would do, I would scoop all the ice cream and walk up the walk up window. That's uh, I started in, in college in Boston. You can't like be a server until you're eighteen or until you're twenty-one. Mm. So when I turned twenty-one in college, I finally just got my first job. A place called Whiskey, wild place, buddy. Yeah, wild place. Super high volume, super high volume sports bar, a lot of fights. Very Boston, loved it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was such where I, it was. Very strict, high turnover, and it lasted like a year and a half. And after that, I thought like I could work. So, uh, well, yeah, the, yeah. When you uh, real busy bars, uh, so um, I got to try to word word this question right. I get uh, you wouldn't believe how much editing I do on this podcast, but uh, and it's just my <laughs> and it's just about me. It's not about the uh, the guests on the show. So you guys, uh, you've. Um, Trey, you've pretty much done everything. Well, both of you have pretty much done everything. Now, uh, quick question about the uh, hot dog stand on uh, yeah. in in Michigan. Well, uh, yeah, New Buffalo. Uh, was that uh, that's pretty much a seasonal thing, right? Or yeah, we're doing the summer. So, like, I, in the summer, we talk, 
when I was off school, I would go stay with my grandmother. And I would just work with her. And just, you know, she worked every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, it was pretty fun. I guess I was a child laborer. <laughs> I, was I was pretty child laborer. And I loved it. Well, well, I was in a restaurant uh, just recently, and uh, somebody made mention that uh, the servers were ki- kind of on the young side because, uh, well, the, the servers were the sons of the restaurant owner because they had nothing else to do because of the quarantine. And yeah. the uh, they turned to the owner and they said, are you sure you allowed to let your kids work in this restaurant? And he goes, they're my kids. I, I do what I want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember when I was in like maybe sixth or seventh grade, and you know, I, I had to mow the lawn, and I told my my dad like, "How come I have to mow the lawn for free?" And my buddy Ken, his dad gives me ten bucks, and he was like, "Why do you think I had a son? Like, I don't want to mow the lawn. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make our kids work. Right, <laughs> all the kids in the factory, working, getting drinks in our." Uh, oh yeah a lot of that's going around uh during this quarantine uh thing just i've seen kid kids help out in mom and pop restaurants and uh doing extra things outside or or parents getting them involved in like extracurricular activities just to have them stay active uh uh so yeah, like, they go anywhere and they don't i don't a lot of places still aren't actually in school it's like Got to do something with your kids, and still got to pay the bills. So bring, oh bring God, them on for the ride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, they got to do something. How is the quarant- How is the quarantine treating you guys out there? Um, I mean, most of this year for me was going to be events driven. A lot of music events and fundraisers and stuff, and those were all done. So yeah, we had a life. We had a lot of live bands. To a lot of you know, playing shows. We had to readjust. It was an adjustment, you know. They just the strategy. I feel like quarantine felt helpless. We figured out what to do with like it's like I'm gonna make a compilation to help. It's like well maybe we can help out a little bit. I was like, I'm just gonna make music. That's what you do. Mm. So, yeah. So yeah, that's just been recording a lot of music. Yeah, I just started recording my first album. So just trying to say really. Oh very cool. Are the businesses back open or are they uh, at capacity or doing a capacity thing right now? Restaurants 50%. are open, and as of two days ago, they can see that 50%, it was 25%. Bars can only see, see people outside, not inside at all, until two days ago, and now they can see inside with 25% capacity, and no one can sit at the actual bar, and you have to wear, wear a mask. So it's still it's still really rough. Um, and you can't have parties of six or more anywhere, and I think what total capacity is... Uh, like 50 or percentage of total seating. So I mean, obviously there's, there's no live music indoors, like all the, all the, the proper music venues are shut down, but uh, bars and restaurants are able to plug along. They also, the city let them let restaurants do more things with like to go cocktails and stuff that were, uh, that were not allowed before that. They shut down a lot of streets and like sat tables out in the street, try to improve that. Kind of sketchy. It's been kind of a, it's been, it's been a real mixed bag of so they open and then you know close down. They keep changing the rules. Yeah, they open for a little while and then they close them down again. And it's it's there, making it tough to have a consistent. There's been no with, certainty. Yeah, sure. A lot of a lot of my favorite places are just struggling so hard. For a city that's driven by like I mean such a food and restaurant heavy city, like this is I think like. Like for going out to eat or like dining, this is like the best city in America for it. And for music as well. So two industries that you need a flow of people. It's just it's kind of heartbreaking to see it. Like the city's culture kind of, you know, really, you know, a lot of a lot of things going at it. So you guys organize a lot of like musical right. events and uh stuff like that. I have a friend uh in Seattle where his uh him and his cover band they play they used to play at one uh restaurant bar uh on the weekends and then the quarantine hit and then they were pretty much sitting around doing nothing for uh, I think they lasted a whole 3 weeks and then all they all of a sudden they decided to go out and do an acoustic show right in front of the building 
uh, and play as long as they felt like it. Have you, you or any of your friends done that sort of, or gone to that extent? I, I'm literally working. I just put together like a live show and uh, just take around to random places. Oh, that's awesome. Set up and <laughs> yeah. We've gone to a few outdoor things. Um, again, they, they limit how many people can be there. Uh, like even, even if you're just gathered in someone's yard or like a lawn or even in a park, like if there's more than say 50, 60 people there, eventually the cops are going to roll through and shut it down. So, um, yes, we have done some outdoor things. Uh, Justice has played a couple of times at a place called Tack Room that they have a nice little street area set up uh, that people can play kind of outside. Uh, but it's still limiting and it's also limiting in volume, you know, so you're not going to, there's, there's no loud metals, you know, like no rock shows. But yeah, everyone has to do stuff kind of acoustic because, you know, of, once you make it too big, it gets too big, it shuts down, it's for nothing. You got, you can have drive-in shows, bands, you got to draw people, you know, like, you gotta, so people who are like, you know, the middle of the road, it's, you got to get crafty with it, otherwise it's going to be a while. Yeah, right. we have a few like pop-up drive-in theater style places that you can go, you know, with your car. Uh, that have had some big shows, but yeah, you have to be a big name to draw there. Yeah. And, uh, those things are often cost prohibitive to, to most <laughs> people. Like they're, they're really expensive. So there, there has been nice substitutions so people can still see a little bit of music, but I, I hope that that is not the way that's the only way it's going to be in the future. Cause it, it really makes it almost impossible for a lot of, uh, you know, smaller name artists to play in with. And I'm definitely not to make any money from it. Right. Um, now, we were talking a little bit earlier that uh, now, has music always been uh, your main uh, goal or your your favorite job or work? Uh, is that what you, uh, that's what you've always want, wanted to do since you were a kid and all that? I've just discovered first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it wasn't always the plan, but uh, pretty quickly after the middle of high school, I was like, yeah, I want to, I think I might have something here. And then I, I went to, uh, I got accepted to Berkeley College, or to Berkeley College of Music, actually. And I, from there, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. But I always knew that I could, I was like, I don't feel too worried about it because I knew I could fall back on like serving or anything, fit me through it. But I'm just nothing I enjoy more then performing and honestly like as i started to be getting more gigs over the past few years getting the transition in my life more to doing that it's like, you know, pretty nice. so. yeah for me music is definitely my passion i'm a musician too but i moved to chicago to play music but quickly realized i did not want performance to be my focus mm-hmm. um so i've always kind of kept my, my my toes a little bit in the music industry whether it's playing with bands um or yeah, booking shows, like booking other people, events and stuff with other people. Um, and then, then in this past year, I started a nonprofit called Quiet Pterodactyl that focuses on the music and arts communities and helping helping do events and fundraisers uh, and educational elements in music and the arts. Well, that's a great cause. Uh, anything that helps out the music industry, uh, or especially up and coming musicians or even school kids, since they're taking yeah. a lot of that stuff out of the or they've taken past tense probably all that stuff out of the curriculums, uh, it's great that that stuff still gets supported by outside sources. I love that. Yeah, and that's been a slow, a slow downward spiral for decades with taking music, taking money out of music, things like music programs, and then now with the pandemic, you know, they at least in public education they barely exist because it's you know how do you, how do you have a how do, you, how do you host band or, or choir when everyone's on a Zoom call? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, I have 40, 40 teenagers in a room, like not in a room, and try to get them to focus and play together. That's fucking possible. Yeah. I at least well, like my niece. She's still getting her piano lessons through Zoom calls, and I'm happy about that. Uh, she yeah. had other things she had to kind of put aside just because, but. Uh, yeah, her teacher, you know, they set the tablet on the piano and then she plays in front of her teacher. I'm sure it's with the interaction uh, between teacher and student, it's not, you don't get as much out of it, um, but yeah. at least they're trying. 
hard enough to keep the attention if they're right in front of you. At least they're getting, at least maybe with one on one, it could still go okay, but definitely if you're trying to organize mm. multiple people playing. And that's hard. I know. It'd be really difficult for for adults that are in a band together to practice through a Zoom call, much less like trying to teach that teach a whole class every right day. <laughs> Well, so, uh, yeah, I, I feel for these. I hope that they still, you know, still are being able to have creative outlets and learning about music. Well, that was uh, one of the handy things about Zoom. I don't know, honestly, if they did it that way. But uh, it seemed like it was a Zoom call, but, uh, you know, maybe there is a slight chance that it was probably carefully edited together. But, like, Sammy Hagar, Metallica, uh, and a couple others doing versions of their songs just for YouTube being while being socially separated and our bare naked ladies yeah. did it too. And I, I'm just like, yeah, way to go guys. Way to stay at work and keeping yourself relevant. Yeah. No, yeah. No, definitely. It's the pandemic and yeah, especially just the not seeing people in person, of course, people to be as creative as possible, but you know, still do something. Sure. Um, but again, I, ideally, that is not the new normal, and we'll get past this. And, and whatever, whatever will be in the future is not going to be exactly what it was, but it's, it's got to be better than what's going on right now. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, as musicians and event planners, uh, for, the, uh, for my listeners that are in the service industry but also have this need to become musicians or, you know, want to join a band or uh, are in a band. Uh, how difficult uh, was it to separate having to pay the bills while working, uh, working at a bar at uh, any hour of the day, pretty much whenever the manager tells you to, and still be able to work on, uh, work on your music, work on planning events, all that stuff. I'd say it really depends on where you work. Uh, a lot of, I feel like a lot of independent, like local businesses tend to be more understanding. Like, like if, if I hire a bartender or a server and I know that they're an actor or they're a musician, like I'm going to, I know to me, I know that going in and I'm going to adjust the schedule according to when they are able to do the things that they're passionate about. But I know if you work for a lot of like corporate places or hotels, like they don't give a shit about your personal schedule. Oh you know, they're like, this is your schedule. <laughs> And that's the way it is. And at so, some local places, I mean, like it, it depends. Yeah, I think it, it depends really on depends on the player. who your employer is and how how much when it, when it comes down to how much they care about their staff. Um, it's not just how much they care about your schedule; it's how much they actually care and support their own staff. And if you're and I, if you're lucky, then you have a place that does that and allows you to yeah that freedom to do both. And if but I know there's a lot of yeah, it's not just corporate places, but. Uh, but they they definitely are known for not letting people. Yeah, they, oh. don't, care, they don't care about your outside life. Mm. Unfortunately, I understand like the idea of like not or feeling like you can't do that because your job would fire you. Or like you can't schedule anything. It, 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 and that that really hurts artistic creativity. At least for me, like I I had a job where I was just like I had it wouldn't let me. It wouldn't work to my schedule, even though no, like knowing like two years, I like working really hard at this. Like when I started, you know, doing better at it, you know, there was a constant collision of thought where I was just had to leave. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, people need to pay their bills, and everyone's circumstances different. But if you work, if you're, if you want to make a career out of playing music, and or that is just like your the most important passion you have. Then don't work for a place that doesn't uh, that doesn't like. Yeah. There's just otherwise you're just you're miserable all the time. Yeah, all the time. Because you're not really enjoying being at work because you resent them for that, and you're not really enjoying the other things that you want to do because yeah. because of work. So again, I not everyone is fortunate enough, you to know, that, to have yeah. that option. But if you if you know no, right away, like this this bar, this restaurant isn't going to care about this other thing that is the most important thing to me, then just don't fucking right. it. Like you're just butting your head against the wall. You will never be able to. Yeah. I, I had a, uh, I had a guest on my show, uh, was it, uh, last year? Uh, uh, and she was, she is an aspiring actress and model. 
and her uh, the bar that she works at they were always really cool just uh, uh, she all she had to do was give them enough time to be able to it's not like just call up right before the shift say sorry i got something to do uh but as long as they gave enough time they were always yeah we'll get somebody covered don't even worry about it so that's uh so finding yeah, a, when i brought class, that's Oh, that's how I was. Yeah. But again, I don't feel offended in work for a place like that. You, you have that security, like you have that emotional security where it's like, wow, I can do this, and I know that my job's not going to hit me. Like, like the like taking that stress off of like your employee is also like a good responsibility as a as an employer because it keeps your staff happy and it keeps them not anxious. Like, it's, as far as such an anxiety driven profession working in the service industry. And one thing, and you know, you add that into the before. It's just it's mean. I feel like <laughs> it is mean. It is mean. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, you're gonna get better. I, you're gonna get yeah. You're gonna have happier employees, and they're gonna get better customer service. You know, like, oh, wow. it makes sense to support your staff, even though a lot of places don't. Sure. Do uh, yeah. They see it as a power, a power move. Uh, and it's like I, I just don't understand that power play at all. I feel like it's just, yeah, you're limiting the amount of. Uh, I always thought that the service industry working in a restaurant would offer you a little bit more leeway than getting what uh, what some people refer to as a real job, whatever the hell that is. And yeah, but yeah. you know, gives you a little bit more room for your passions and uh, your other interests in life, pretty much. So if you you know you have in time. Theory, it's just, well, the stress of closing. You got to clopen. You got to work brunch. <laughs> let's say you got to say let's say your busiest days of the weekend, right? right. You got a show Saturday night. They've been working for the show for a year. Like holy shit, you can't believe you got the show. But your boss, like all of a sudden, now you got to work brunch Saturday morning. You got to work Saturday morning. morning and Sunday <laughs> morning. Your show ends at twelve midnight. You gotta take your drink until three. Oh, maybe. <laughs> well, you still gotta take all your equipment. What do you play drums? You gotta take your drum set home at one in the morning, carry it up all the stairs, and then wake up at six and go to work and be like, and not be like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's a stressful life. So if you get that leeway of like, hey, you know, come in whenever you want Sunday brunch. Like, it's okay. We know you're playing that show. It's like, okay. Uh. Hey. of some musicians can be when they uh, receive some kind of inspiration or like this great beat or great riff pops into their head and say you're right in the middle of lunch rush or something like that does that absolutely drive you crazy because yeah. you're scared to death that you'll probably <laughs> forget it <laughs> yeah are you you're writing lyrics in your head and you I would put I would put I would put my trade on be like what in the bathroom and just sing into my phone. Be like, no, this idea or but like I'll get fired of this okay. <laughs> there, there's been times like that or like when I'm really into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've definitely written things down at work. Written down chords or written down lyrics or things like that. I mean like recording like recording the hidden pops and jams, like bothering people. That was me. <laughs> Playing percussion on everything. <laughs> yeah. right in front of you. <laughs> I think it was like 50-50, like, oh, he's fun. And like, God, you shut up. Jacob Sturge <laughs> playing, playing the bottle tops like the drums. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not if you're not too busy, that could be entertaining to some customers. But yeah, yeah. If you got if you got a bar three deep <laughs> waiting. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll take that. It's like, I'm talking an hour and a half wait. <laughs> Yeah, you, like, yeah, I'll get you. I gotta, I gotta deal with this riff right now. Wait, how many long, Alex? Yeah, that's gonna be a while. I gotta play guitar. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, that could be a new thing because everybody's into bartender flair nowadays and tossing bottles and uh, shaker cups and stuff like that. And, even, you know, maybe you can't do it while you're th- uh, three wide, five deep. But then all, uh, all of a sudden you pick up pick up a couple sticks and play the bar. And I mean, really play the bar. <laughs> use, use whatever you got at your disposal. <laughs> Have you guys ever... Uh, when you're working whatever bar or restaurant, have you un- ever ended up entertaining also while you're or working at that restaurant? Well, maybe not during your shift, but coming in later or something like that. Yeah. I, when I worked at this karaoke bar, I would be like, what's up guys? I sing. <laughs> like to every table, they'd be like, what do you do? <laughs> it was, it was uh, a really packed downtown area. I'd be like, well, I actually sing actually as well. And I'd be like, oh, really? Go up there and sing. And I would, almost every night I would sing, I believe I can fly. Or me and my girlfriend, who was also a vocalist, would sing like, in the mountain high enough and run through the whole restaurant and sing in people's faces and jump on tables. (laughs) While I was working, it was rather rather interesting. Once I was singing, I I believe I can fly, and the rest of the staff carried me above their (laughs) chair to the bar. Yeah. During the show. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to, we used to have a weekly, well, it started as a monthly, it became week. I used to run a restaurant, it was like restaurant by day, music venue by night, and uh, and we had rap karaoke, and uh, they would they would get me up there on stage sometimes. Yeah, all the time of rap. Yeah. This guy knows I, so I usually, many weeks. Yeah, I usually stuck the, the, you know, like early 90s time. golden era classics, like Tribe Talk Quest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every line, every word, this guy's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of did the same thing back when I, uh, back when I bartended at one of the bars that I used to work at on a slow night, we had karaoke there. And on a really slow night, somebody, the DJ dared me to come up and sing. And I ended up getting up there and singing a Harry Connick Jr. song and she, her face drops. She's like, Oh my God, you can sing. And I, I thought nothing of it. (laughs) And, uh, later on when, uh, Santana's album Supernatural came out. The the and the song Smooth came out uh, was insanely popular. Uh, I I went and asked the DJ, uh, "Hey, do you have this song?" Yeah, I asked her if she had that song in her uh, catalog yet, and she's yeah, we just got it today. And so I sang it that night in front of the karaoke group. You no, know, only a small group. It was slow night that night, and then I, it accidentally became. Uh, they act, became my thing. Uh, they expected me every karaoke night. When is the bartender oh, coming? Yeah, when's the bartender coming up and singing smooth? And uh, and I'm like, I'm really busy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the yeah, showmanship. No, my, my go-to karaoke has always been. A... <laughs> always been what? Always... Oh, mine's always been a. By George Michael. Oh, uh, that's yeah. always a good one. <laughs> See, I, I don't do a lot of karaoke, but when I do, it's George Michael. <laughs> I don't do, I believe I can fly anymore for some reason. Oh, better than my second one is on uh, Need You Tonight by NSF. Oh, good song. Yeah, that, that's a classic right there. So, uh, now, I didn't have the showmanship you guys no. probably did because I didn't ride the crowd or jump on the stage or jump on the tables or anything like that. But, but yeah, the, to be known There's still time to get that act together. <laughs> I believe in you, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the time twenty thirteen. Maybe you're a karaoke star in the making and you just don't know it. Oh, I'll be on the voice or the ma- the mass singer or whatever before we know it. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, working in the service industry was also uh, also probably gave you a lot of uh, creative outlets because you, you're meeting different uh, personalities constantly and different personalities, different yeah. walks of life, whatever. So uh, did you ever get inspiration from like customers coming in or anything like that? No, I hate people. I'm just <laughs> 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 I, I don't think I never listened to the album Court and Sparks by Johnny Mitchell until a customer was like, you need to listen to Court and Sparks. And now it's on my favorite album. Like, if, 
you know, like it would be like middle of the day, one guy at the bar, he'd just be like talking about the right thing. Just like, or like you meet some people that work with music randomly, or you, know, you, you meet a lot of like people. People that like music like to drink, and sometimes they come and tell good stories, or you know, like you, you, you talk to some older person. Yeah, no, I was at one of the places that I ran for years uh, had a very extensive uh, craft beer list that would change all the time. Um, and we also played such random music. Like, we played Prog Rock. Like, we played King Crimson, and then we played Bridges Spears. And then we played, like, it was all over the place. A lot of jazz, like Miles Davis. And, yeah, people are coming in. They want to talk to us a lot about the beer, a lot about about music. Um, because we, I think we played a, a selection of music that a lot of artists just don't, don't sure. think to play. You know, they play a lot of top 40 or music. Or, well, I was yeah, just... I met a lot of interesting people that way. I don't know that anyone ever inspired me to play music. As a customer, well, I've had customers maybe piss me off and maybe want to write some things. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like uh, coworkers. Well, it's like Billy Joel when he talks. About, it's like when Billy Joel talks about his song "Piano Man." He uh, he was actually playing in a small piano bar just to make ends meet, and one night he was just like, "I gotta write a song about this," and then out came "Piano Man," and. Uh, yeah. And he talks about how all the characters in that song are, are true. They were the actual right. people that he was well, playing for. He was writing what was happening. So yeah. That's crazy. And, uh, makes sense. you know, uh, don't mean to offend you Chicago folk, but I'm Billy Joe, big Billy Joel fan. So <laughs> no, we like Billy Joel. Okay. Like Billy. Yeah. There was a, my mother once got, she thought she was surprising the family, our family by getting four, Front row seats for eight hundred dollars for for Billy Joel, but it ended up being seats. Didn't realize it was four at eight hundred dollars each. Ah, so only one ticket. Four tickets. Oh, she actually bought. She spent thirty-two hundred dollars on Billy Joel. <laughs> unable to unable to sell them at a fair price. Yeah, I was that brought to the show very spitefully by my mother. <laughs> that was a good show. It was really good. It was that show where um, Amy Schumer danced on that piano with uh, the homegirl. What's her name? She's in uh, Hunger Games. She just got an Oscar. She's a American oh. sweetheart. Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, so what? Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah her and Jennifer Lawrence danced on the piano. I was like, that's Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Amy, Amy Schumer. Yeah, it, was really, it, was, it was neat. Yeah, I put yeah, a lot of the songs. I think I saw that footage on YouTube, her and Je- Jennifer Lawrence getting up on stage. Yeah, I've, I've only seen Billy Joel once, and that was uh, the last time he toured uh, with, did that duet tour with Elton John. And that was an incredible show. Oh, oh yeah. I, 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 so uh, this Situation Chicago uh, thing that you guys are telling me about, I where I actually thought it was your band name. I'm sorry about that. Um, what, uh, can you tell me a little <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, I started quite, or we started quite pterodactyl uh, last year. Um, a lot of this year is going to be, you know, live music and, and other type of arts uh, focus is going to be all events driven. Then when the pandemic hit, all our events were canceled. Um, this was kind of the reaction to that is, you know, all, all these music venues are closed indefinitely. So what can we do to help support them? So. Uh, we put out a double vinyl album. It's got 25 songs on it from 25 different uh, bands and artists. Uh, all Chicago at their roots. Um, but some of them are, are big, internationally known, and some of them are local and, and should be internationally known. Uh, but yeah, rock, hip-hop, jazz, a little bit of a little bit of everything. But we've got like Jeff Tweedy from Wilco's on it, OK Go's on it. Um, Boy Dog Pondering, another big Chicago band uh, on it. Um, Twilight Tone, uh, he has a new record on his phone, so he produced for like, he's produced for Gorillaz and John Legend, Tommy West, Common. Common. Um, so we've got some heavy hitters on here. Justice, who's, who's with me right now, he's on it. Uh, Quinn Kirchner, one of my favorite drummers in Chicago, is on it. Um, Crazy. Amazing. Uh, Boomback Joe. Uh, and there's just, you know, just a bunch of really cool stuff. But uh, we, I was able to put it together. I got sponsor, local sponsors like Malort, um, 
Oh, yeah. Dark Matter Coffee, Revolution Brewing, a cool local brewery. Um, Nature's Grace and Wellness. Nature's Grace and Wellness. They're a cannabis and, uh, and wellness company. Health. Um, they, they collectively pulled together enough money to help pay for the upfront cost of the project so that it wasn't just a percentage of the sales was going to go back to help local venues that are closed. It was 100% of sales were going to go back to help. Um, so we've got 25 Chicago independently owned venues that are, that are going to benefit from the sales of this, of this album. So if uh, I've got listeners uh, all over the world, if they want to buy this album, where's the best place for them to go? SituationChicago.com. That's our Bandcamp page. Uh, we decided to do it exclusively through Bandcamp. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places you can stream and or buy music, but Bandcamp seems to be the one that's the most artist-focused and artist-driven. Uh, like, the, the bands make the most money from Bandcamp. Um, by doing direct sales to, to, to the, I, I was going to say end user, but I hate that. Like, you know, to, to the people, yeah. uh, you know, more than other, other websites that I won't name, but I'm a big fan of Bandcamp. Uh, so we're selling suits on there. Just sit You can order just a digital download or you can order the double vinyl there. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We're shipping several out of the country. Most of them have been in the U.S., uh, but we, we can ship anywhere. Yeah, that's how I yeah. found. That's how I found out about this. Is uh, I was just cruising around Bandcamp.com because I, I love that I can find all sorts of independent artists on there that wouldn't mind a little bit of uh, airtime, even if it is on a small podcast, and you know try to help them out, and it helps me out. It's all good stuff. Yeah, the song that uh, I'm going to fe- uh, feature on this podcast, if and when it ends. Do you guys uh, can you guys tell me anything about it? So that's a that's a song that I wrote and recorded uh, in my apartment during quarantine. Um, it was the beginning of April, and I've been working on music for a while. And I just kind of decided to start from scratch and just kind of write what I felt. And the first thing that came out was this string part. I wrote the drums and wrote the song. It's if and what it ends to me is more about just. It was this idea that I'm never getting out of here. This felt like we were never, it, it, I mean, you know that this is going to eventually end, but it just doesn't feel like it. And especially with the very peak of all of this chaos around this pandemic, it just felt so uncertain. So I wrote this song and then it inspired me to write a whole other EP and Trey asked me to, you know, to have it be a song on this great compilation and so i just immediately said yes of course but so it, yeah it's just a song about me wanting to get out of here and never be here again and with that uh here is justice hill with the song if and when it ends from the situation chicago compilation album available on bandcamp.com
say never. You know, Brandy said that in the 90s, my G. Like, come on, never coming home. That's, you never that's crazy. Home. Like, I got to go to the crib. That's where, that's where I started, you know. I'm being treated like royalty out here doing big shows. But, hey, dog, God go to the crib, man. Once again, from the compilation album Situation Chicago, that was Justice Hill with If and When It Ends. If you want to go check out the Situation Chicago album or check out more of Justice Hill, head on over to bandcamp.com. You can find everything you want there. Situation Chicago album goes to the local charities of uh, helping out small businesses. So I suggest you get out there, take a listen to it. There's a lot of great stuff on there from local Chicago bands. Go pick it up right now and help support Chicago restaurants, venues, and other small businesses. Not to mention that it's also run or been set up by Quiet Pterodactyl. Uh, so if you want to go check out more about them, go to quietpterodactyl.threadless.com and you can go check out more about them, check out more about the music that's on that album. And uh, like I said, help support some Chicago businesses. Okay, with that, let's get back to the interview. So one of the things that I've tried to uh, convey to some of other bartenders uh, that have live music uh, in the in their restaurant or bar is to you have to kind of be able to speak musicianese because you want to be friends with the music music act in case they bring in a lot of business and so you can bring them back. And I've told them uh, yeah. some things. Okay, if you've got a four piece rock and roll band compliment somebody's guitar and, or, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, or like, uh, start talking about music you like in common and, uh, and, you know, talk about, you know, Oh, you like the Beatles. Oh, I love the Beatles. And then you start talking about that. Does, um, when you go out and play, yeah. Uh, does that ever happen where, where you make friends with the bartender and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about music before going on or something, you know, make friends. Yeah. The, the moment anyone comes up and asks what I'm playing on, I'm just like, oh, fuck, like. <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Like, yeah, the moment the, the talking about the gear or like what guitar you got is, is like the ultimate. And cause yeah. then, then, you know, like, you know, they care about stuff. Yeah, also, I've been on both sides of that. I've been the bartender, the manager, and I've also been a musician playing yeah. somewhere. And, dude, just being cool, yeah, talking to someone and just getting to know them, especially the bartenders, that's the way you're going to get more free drinks. And as if I'm on the other side, if I'm on the back side of the bar, that's why I'm going to get someone drinks. Like, this dude's cool, this chick's cool. You know, like, um, if someone's just, like, snotty or, you know, off-putting or, or, yeah, if the bartender doesn't seem to care whether the band's there or not, or vice versa, the bartender or the band, like, kind of just jerky to the bar staff like if you get off on a bad, bad foot it's like well it's not gonna go it's not gonna go up though <laughs> you know, like establishing that relationship especially with that you play on a regular basis or bands that play at your place on a regular basis like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you just be cool with those people and uh yeah again it benefits everyone and yeah if you're in the band like if you want if you want three sets you okay. to the bartender and tip them even right. if you're not playing for much money, tip your bartender. Right. Your sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just remember uh, my the bar I worked at, they they brought in a band that nobody had heard of. And all of a sudden, I started talking about uh, this one guy's guitar, which was like uh, the early, very early of version of the 5150 guitar that Eddie Van Halen plays. 
and he and I started talking about it. And then he was telling me all these details about, uh, what, what's different about the tremolo and about the Seymour Duncan pickups. And he was giving me way more information than I wanted, but then all of a sudden he and I were best friends, but, uh, yeah, those, uh, those guys were cool. And then all of a sudden we became, uh, I got to be friends with the entire band until I asked them to play, uh, honestly, it was a cheap trick song. I said, Hey, you're playing pretty much whatever from whatever era. Do you, can you guys know any cheap trick? And, uh, the vocalist didn't want to sing it because, uh, he felt like his voice was that night was too screwed up to be Robin, uh, to sing like Robin Zander, you know, <laughs> but they were, yeah. they were cool. <laughs> they were still cool about it. You know? <laughs> so you tell me about quiet pterodactyl. How did that start? Um, it really just, it was kind of a culmination of all the things I had been doing. Again, I'd, I'd been service industry. I'd done lots of music, booking other people's bands, booking bands for venues, uh, booking my own bands. Um, and I also kind of on a side, I, I organized a lot of both private and public events for different brands like liquor brands, um, and a lot of fundraisers for, you know, for like an animal shelter or for, um, arts, arts, organiza- arts program or organizations. So having been in the service industry most of my adult life, uh, I wasn't necessarily looking to jump ship, uh, but that was but I, at that point, I was running a restaurant, and I my passion I I felt like I was starting to get away from the music and, and arts aspect of my life. Uh, so we started Quiet Pterodactyl, uh, so that I yeah I could kind of slowly inch my way out of the service industry and focus on that full time uh, and just kind of giving essentially giving back and helping support yeah arts and music communities. Very cool. And. Uh, yeah, it was going to be, I mean, a small growth, but then unfortunately the pandemic hit. But the upside is we came out with this record and it's gotten some, some pretty good press. Um, and a lot of people in the music industry are paying attention to it. Uh, which even, even with that record, uh, I know we are, we're not going to save enough records to save, like save any one of these businesses, um, these music venues. But I think just getting attention to the general public about the dire straits that, uh, that music independent music venues are in right now. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a seriousness of it. There's, a, there's caring about something else. Yeah, there's a phrase going around: uh, first to close, last to open," and that is accurate to describe music venues right now. That you know, any place that people gather, specifically inside, where there's no ventilation, you know, little ventilation and no windows, uh, that they're not going to be open in 2020. And 2021 isn't looking terribly promising. Yeah either um and once once these venues go i've had i had a couple of friends like well so they close and then someone else buys them and they reopen the venue i'm like no especially in cities like as gentrification happens or real estate prices go up like a lot of these places pre-pandemic were struggling to stay open because of noise noise ordinances and a new neighbor bought a condo across the street and they don't even though that bar has been there for 40 years they don't like the noise of the bar and like it's already hard enough to keep a music venue open in regular times. So if these, a lot, a lot of these places, if they end up having to close for good, like there's nothing to replace them. You know, they're not coming back. And that's really like the backbone of the whole music industry is places, independently owned places where local musicians can, can play and, and learn, learn their craft and develop their music, you know, to, to a small audience and get ready for it a bigger audience if that's their aspiration. That's also one, one of the reasons why I added music to this podcast. Cause it was uh, like, I told you guys through uh, when I first approached you, this is a podcast basically for the service industry for bartenders, servers, cooks to talk, to talk about their stories, whatever, but adding music to it, uh, having a musical guest on the show as often as I could became very important to me because I always felt like music and the service industry kind of go together. Uh, cause when you, you, ha- yeah. you want a good bar, you got to have a jukebox or, uh, you know, when you, when you have a live stage out front, you got to have the bar bar in the back, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They coexist for sure. That's the music. Yeah. Music, whether it's live or just, you know, whatever the bartender happens to play off of their phone or whatever, like music creates the atmosphere that people want to be in. Most you know, definitely. like even I've, I've gone to restaurants and bars and the music was not just, Oh, I didn't like it. Like, it's just like, I can't stay here. This music 
horrible. Or <laughs> or it's weird. You go into a place every now and then, and there's no music at all. It feels it's weird. Like quiet. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> yeah. It feels totally off. Like there's something like this. Yeah. It's like spooky. Almost. <laughs> um, yeah. Music definitely helps define like energy and define the the feel of a space. So uh, yeah, music, music and uh, and bartending definitely. Are. They're cousins. They're very. They're kissing cousins. Yeah, they, they, they go well together. You put peanut butter and jam it. Yeah, know. but you do every once in a while get one of those bartenders that do have control over the uh, the speaker system using their phone, their Bluetooth, or even uh, have complete control over the jukebox. And for some reason, they're in a real Chris Isaac mood that night. For some reason, <laughs> or. They, what was it in that uh, movie? Or in I was watching Ant Man the other day, and he they were talking about a restaurant that his mother owned. The all she played was Morrissey, <laughs> but her her attitude her attitude was like, "Wait, you don't like Morrissey? Get out!" <laughs> but yeah, definitely. That, that's a very specific, a very specific thing for a writer. But uh, I love that. I had I had a friend, a good friend of mine, getting this was years ago. Get in my car one time. This one CDs were still the main, you know. And uh, and she got in, and I had like you know I had like fifty CDs in the car, and she's like, "Do you have any eraser?" And I was like, "No, I don't have any eraser in the car." And she's like, "What do you mean you don't have any eraser?" And I was like, <laughs> "I I like eraser fine. I don't have any eraser." I didn't buy the, I didn't buy this CD and put it in my car. I don't have it in the car right now. She like could not wrap her head around like that. Just doesn't make any sense. Like you should have a racer in your car. Like, All right, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, so maybe the same thing would happen. I probably didn't have more in my car. Well, eraser. Uh, I only know the one single, and that was what twenty years ago or, or like twenty five years ago. Uh, yeah, that's an odd album to expect to be in someone's car. Yeah, odd out. Yeah. yeah, very. Anyone. Even if, you, if you're hanging out with someone who's what? in the band Eraser and you get into their car, they they it would still album? be odd that they have their own band in their car. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not normal. It's not an expected thing to have Eraser in your car. No. That's not a thing. <laughs> For any time, I'm more concerned about how she had it. We're still friends. She probably does a race in her car. I don't know. I've never been in her car. We'll find out. We'll follow up with you tonight. Oh, well, the invention of like Apple Music and Spotify and stuff like that. If nowadays all you have to do is just snap yeah, your fingers if you're in the mood to listen to a razor, which, you know, I don't, I've never had that mood, but, you know, not to say that who, who doesn't, you know. <laughs> I don't, uh, who? Someone, someone must. I go. <laughs> well, anyway, guys, we're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, Trey Elder, Justice Hill, uh, thank you so much for taking your time out to be on my show and uh, talking about yeah, uh, talking about the service industry and your talking about your charity and your other functions like that. Yeah. So. Uh, just remember, people, if you want to uh, get the Situation Chicago album, head on over to bandcamp.com and go check it out. Uh, once again, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. And with that, people, it is last call, last call for alcohol. Come on up to the bar and get something because I'm not going out there. The commute would kill me. Thank you so much, Justice Hill and Trey Elder, for taking your time to be on the show and talk about your compilation album, uh, you can go pick up Situation Chicago, the album, on Bandcamp.com and listen to the track If and When It Ends, done by Justice Hill himself. Uh, go buy the album and support the small businesses in Chicago. It's a great cause, uh, if you ask me. Uh, as for other business to take care of, uh, check out www.heybartenderpodcast.com. You can catch up on old episodes and uh, check out some of the merchandise on there. Help out a podcast, buy a t-shirt. Also, uh, like to thank the sponsors, bartendersowncoffee.com. They've got a huge selection of coffee blends and various other things that you can go check out. They, it, it, to me, it's great coffee. They were recently reviewed on the Instagram profile at coffee, sh- uh, coffee shop girls. 
That's C-O-F-F-E-E-S-H-O-P-G-I-R-L-S-S on Instagram. And uh, they gave us a pretty good review. They said it was a little bit um, more robust than they're used to, but a lot of people are really into a good, strong coffee. Go check out bartendersowncoffee.com. And if any of you try out the Jepson's Malort, uh, email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com. Tell me what you think of it. It is a Chicago-based uh, liquor company, uh, and uh, once again, they're sub- uh, helping support Situation Chicago, the album. Uh, try it out. See, you know, they they kind of uh, jumped around a little bit um, about saying what it is. Uh, I don't encourage anybody to do 25 shots of it in one night, but hey, if you're up to the challenge and uh, yeah, go for it. I'd love to hear the story too. Once again, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. Remember, you can follow me on Facebook, Hey Bartender Podcast, and you can follow me on Instagram, Hey Bartender Podcast. And you know, I'd like to uh, see what you guys have going. I I'm on there a lot of the time. I check out your drink recipes. I talk about them on the show. And, uh, I'd love to hear some more bar stories. So just remember, uh, if you have a good bar story, you want to be on the show to talk about it, or you just want to send me a letter telling me about it, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com is the email address, or you can send me something at PO box one, two, one, four, eight, Odessa, Texas, seven, nine, seven, six, eight. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, cause I've had nothing but lots of fun making this show. And 131, 132 episodes later, yeah, I'm still going strong, thanks to you guys. But until the next episode, uh, next episode will be a Wednesday short shot episode. Don't know what I'm going to talk about yet, probably something goofy. But until then, just remember people, I wish you lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got here!